This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Let's have let's be really low energy this time. <laughs> let's be as quiet as we can. Yes. And Fuck, I screwed it up already. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be quiet? Yes. Yes. That's all I've ever wanted. Oh God. Hi, welcome to my favorite murder. That's Georgia Hardstar. That's Karen Kilgariff. Um The quietest we're the quietest girls. We're so quiet. On podcasts. Mm. Uh, thanks for thanks for being here. It's like spending your spending an hour with us. Thanks, thanks. thinking about things with us, <sighs> guys. There's so much going on in our world. <laughs> Not the least of which is how Georgia doesn't like Stranger Things. What? Oh. oh, there's someone at the door. They're here to hang you up from the highest <laughs> limb of a tree. I didn't. I don't not like it. I have issues with it okay let's hear them well it reminds me remember the old stephen king movies that would be made of stephen king books that would be on that were made for tv like thinner yes and how ridiculous they were and if you guys say what about true or pet cemetery go back and watch it again it's the corniest movie but it would that was a feature film right and there was some scary shit in yes i love that movie but if you go back you're like oh this is so corny it doesn't hold up no Mm -hmm. um and it reminds me kind of of that of stephen king like made for tv movies and maybe it's kind of supposed to but i also just it reminded me of like someone who doesn't read sci-fi made a show about sci-fi yes and like i I feel like if it's the kind of movie where if someone who had read the book were watching it which i know there's not a book but if you were you'd be like why the fuck did they leave this thing out this was the most important part like i feel like i would have been screaming that if i had read the book well you know i've found uh i i think because i like seeing i'm at that stage where that kind of nostalgia works on me because it's yeah. from when I was 10. Yeah. Um, I love the look and feel, but yeah. that other stuff took me out of it. Well, and it's really hard to connect. This is, this is kind of like the Stephen King problem and like lost a lot of those things. When you get your big good idea that's mm-hmm. going to freak people out and, and hook people in and then you try to connect that with kind of believable science mm. or something grounded, it's, it's very difficult to do. So it's like, um, the upside down, right? Is what the, yeah. it was called. Like, but there was but nothing. The fact that you just kind of entered it through this weird, I mean, spoilers. yeah, and you could go get your ki- like. It just yeah, there was a lot of wait, what in it right. for me? Like, and uh, if you can walk into it, then why does she have to go into the thing to get it? Right, it? and like, well, what is it? What is it made out of? Why did this happen? Why did this person exist? Yeah. Why did they? How did she get out of the? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's this is another 
episode of Georgia can't suspend her disbelief. Uh, you know, and it's a valid uh, angle. I do, however, like the night of, I've oh, gone through I'm, I'm three episodes in. Okay. Well, when you get to the episode that aired last night. Oh, my God. First of all, I keep falling asleep in front of the TV after <laughs> watching Night of and then dreaming about uh, Riz Ahmed all night, which makes me crazy. They were showing photos of him as a kid, like as part of this show. And but there were real photos of him as a kid. And I was like, I want that DNA inside of me. Like, I want that baby. I, that sounded gross. That's, like, that's the biggest kind of crush you can have when you want yeah. their DNA. Because <laughs> want your DNA inside me. That's like a serial killer it's, Valentine. That's, that's disgusting. Disgusting. That's a serial killer Valentine. Um, no, that's how I feel about him. I I steal that idea from you. And I, I don't want to sleep with him. I have a husband self. that I love who doesn't want kids, so I'll just have one from him with big eyes and like you, you beautiful. You mean after he and I marry and have many of our own? And can then I? You can, can we get into a thing here? I guess we could. Like kind of a fun. Be fun. Yeah. It'd be good for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a thing that happens that I wish you were up to my uh. episode because it actually kind of, kind of mm. loops into this podcast, and Say it's it, just I'll a fascinating angle. Say it. I don't care. Um, Is it going to spoil for everyone, including me? No. Okay, I don't care then say it. But if you if you haven't seen past like George's on episode three, and if you don't want anything, just don't listen to this part. And it's the remember when they stop at the gas station mm-hmm. and there's that guy that's got the hearse that he walks by and the guy gives him a weird yes. eye. He comes back. They all come back. He comes back big time. Okay, him and then the guy the who was yelling racial slurs at them the yeah. two he was walking with someone else down the sidewalk and when he's being interviewed he says he was alone of that's course right. that's a big thing yeah i also think that the stepdad is going to come back yes right you got to catch up okay because there's some good stuff happening it got you know th- they had to do a lot of exposition and setting that thing up of, of him being in jail which bums me out yeah I don't that was it. long it's such a bummer that's jail. A, it's a very long long show I Episo- love it episodic. I okay. Two things. It's like I, a play. It is like a play. I would watch a whole show of just John Turturro mm-hmm. and, his, and about his eczema. Didn't know there were eczema support groups. <laughs> That's fascinating. Those poor, those, those poor, poor people. Men. They can't date. Oh, I they didn't don't know want eczema to look was, at them. was that awful. Yeah. That's amazing. And then last night, yesterday, when I watched it, Janet Colgate is now a character from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What? You know, the, the female lawyer? Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I got so happy when you I named saw- her name. Janet Colgate. <laughs> I said, when she came on screen, I said it in, like, in a, the accent that was said in, and I think Vince was like, who did I, what did I marry? Wait, what's that actress's name? Um, I, you think, I can remember her character from a cheesy movie from the 80s, but I can't remember her real name. Her name is. You get this. <sighs> you always get this. I know, but it's hot. Elizabeth. And- nope. It's. Stacy Nancy. <laughs> Stacy Nancy. Nancy. It's my favorite actress, Stacy Nancy, from such plays as Nancy Saint Nancy Saint Stacy. That's the best stage name of all time. Taking it, stealing my it. My favorite murder with Karen Kilgariff and Nancy Saint Stacy. Oh my god, that's good. Oh, I'm so sweaty. It's, 
Are you looking it up, Stephen? What is it, Stephen? Is, is the letter P in her first or last name? Penelope. Not at all. God damn it. <laughs> then just say her name. Uh, it's Glenn Headley. Glenn Headley. <laughs> yeah, it was, you said that as if it was on the tip yeah, of your tongue. It's it, was not. In, it was nowhere near my Glenn brain. Headley? Glenn Headley. She's such a great actress. She is, but oh, her name. Stephen Ray Morris, thank you for that. Glenn, yeah. Anytime. That's um, <laughs> that's like one of those white waspy names I would have never gotten. Yeah. In my world, girls can't be named Glenn. I've definitely never heard that before. Yeah. That's a family name, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. That's on a crest somewhere. But um, So two thumbs up for the night of. Yeah. Watch it. Um, We're not talking about this. We're not talking about Stranger Things anymore. Yeah. It's I, gone off. I... Did you like the ending that they left it open, obviously, for a second season? I'm going to admit, I fell asleep at some point <gasps> in the later episodes, and I can't remember how okay. it ends. They ended it in a way that was, there's just like no satisfying ending. Can well, I tell you? Because do you think they're going to be a season two? Well, Nancy and Steve are still together. What? Yeah. But she didn't love him. Does she? She doesn't. Does she love fake Ben Schwartz? That's all I could see when I saw him. Did you That's see that? That's exactly what he looks like. He looks so much... He's like Wasp Ben Schwartz. Yeah, he looks like if Ben Schwartz got put through a rock and roll machine. <laughs> Everyone look at Ben Schwartz, I promise. I Nothing wrong with him, but I just couldn't see that character. Um, but sorry, she goes back to him? I feel like I just... I should have spoiled alert at that. Yeah, that's a big spoiler Excuse alert. me. I feel like I just burped really loudly and like without warning anyone or saying excuse me before or after. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can I say, can I read you my favorite tweet that we've gotten on the My Favorite Murder Twitter account? Always. This is Tweet Corner with Karen. Tweet Corner, welcome. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Why did you just That's meow? the theme song. Okay. Um, uh, Mimi, the unsung cat of the Hearthstark household, she sings the theme song to Tweet Corner. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. Mimi's got to have her her spot in the. Yeah, this is it. She's come to shine. Ready, Mimi? Meow, 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 meow. She's totally asleep. Um, someone on Twitter named Trash Panda IRL. <laughs> I love oh, it already. That's not a real person. Read read what her name is. Oh, Tween Sensation. Tween Sensation is her handle. Okay. Trash Panda IRL is her, I don't know, I like name. I don't know. Trash Panda. Uh, and on her on her Twitter account, sorry, but I just noticed this, her header picture is a picture of Barb and it says, <gasps> in memory of Barb, oh my God. see you on the other side. That's incredible. And it's an illustration of Barb from Stranger Things. That's Hell yeah, That's Trash Panda. The best. Way to bring it all around. So she tweeted at us and said, my dad keeps calling your show the fuck word murder mystery show <laughs> because he can't remember the name. And I cannot stop laughing at that. <laughs> Say it again. My dad keeps calling your show the fuck word mystery murder mystery show because he can't remember the name. Uh, that is so first of all, I can't. If my dad heard a podcast where girls were saying the F word, he would pull the stereo out of the car and throw it on no. the highway. But I swear, if my dad ever hears this, he's going to call me with such a stern tone. And so I love the fact that Trash Panda IRL's dad is even listening to it I at all. I love him. I love him. He sounds like 
my dad. And I I think we might need to change the name of this podcast to the <laughs> Suck Word Murder Mystery Show. I try not to do this, but someone who makes the memes needs to get our logo and change it into, <laughs> say it one more time because it makes me so happy, the, the Fuck, fuck word, word Murder Mystery Show. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Oh, can I read you something that's probably going to make you want to cry? Yes. You ready for this? Uh-huh. Okay. Wait. Are you... Shit. Yeah. Oh, no. Should I start crying yeah. first? Start crying now. <sighs> I'll just think about... Oh, no. What happened? Oh, wait, no. Should I cry because you okay. can't find it? Here we go. Ready. All right. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, son of a bitch. Okay, I found it. Okay. I'm emotionally ready for you to read whatever this is. Liz C. on the Facebook page Mm -hmm. says, I'm 19 years old and fighting cancer at the moment. Oh, no. Ready to cry? Yep. My dad and I listened to the podcast on the way to the hospital and back. Oh, fuck. It's a great way to keep my mind off things, except now I'm scared to get murders. (laughs) LMAO. (laughs) I can't wait for the new shirts to come out. I'm definitely going to be wearing it to the hospital. Love all you murderinos. And then there's 200 comments, including mine, that says your next shirt is on the fucking house. What's her name, Liz? Liz. Yeah, Liz. Hey, Liz, you fight the good fight. You Girl. get in there, you do your fucking chemo or however you're taking care of this business and get it taken care of and get it out of you. Yeah. And many years of this stupid bullshit to come. <laughs> Wait, the podcast or cancer? Uh, no, no, none of that. Okay. Only the podcast. Um, and then general fun things in life. Yeah. Murder, cancer. You're going to be the smartest person you know because you've dealt with this thing and you're gonna have a great perspective on life totally. i actually know many cancer survivors and the cool part about it is once you get through that all that bullshit of like that girl took my brush and now i'm going to try to ruin it. and you don't do that shit anymore because you're like yeah you're like oh i understand what loss is yeah and i understand the gift of life that we have right now and my family who was there for me when i like that we that we were able to get through this together the fact that her dad listens to that on the way listen to this bullshit you guys sorry we curse stay strong we love you we're thinking of you murder cancer and also anyone else who might be going through some shit and with us in their ears i bet it happens more often than not i guess i have to say too we got another email this week and i kind of get them a lot because i talk about depression and anxiety constantly um that a good a good place to get therapy uh therapist referrals is psychology today they have a website that you just put in your zip code there's photos and um, descriptions and it's it's a really great place to get referrals for yeah therapists which I, that's where i found mine yeah. and that's where georgia found yeah. hers we're big on therapy you guys yeah. take care of yourselves yes for sure hey hi oh, oh then- uh home keep homekeeping <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> it's, it's hard for us to be emotional so our yeah. tra- our transition out is not going to be as clean as as you might find on yeah. the more professional podcast i'm stuttering because i was vulnerable and it makes me yeah feel awful it also it feels weird that this we started this thing talking to each other in your apartment and now we're actually connecting to real human beings i, I know i just it, it came real all of a sudden and now I i'm know. super self-conscious it's very um it's super weird. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird feeling. I know. I got a really sweet email from a girl in LA being like, I don't know 
It was to both of us. I'm sorry. I just fucking took it over and emailed her back <laughs> immediately. God damn you. I'm sorry. But it's, she was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to find a therapist. What do I blah? And it was just like, so I felt so good being able to offer that. I know. I mean, Jesus. We're all humans. And also just, it's nice to help people. It is. and Or feel like you're entertaining them or just doing anything worthwhile. Yeah. Or like, knowing the shit that you've gone through is that then you're able to help other people because of it. It's of use. It yes. wasn't for no reason. No. That's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. Uh, uh, oh, homekeeping. Let's have 10 minutes of silence. <laughs> <laughs> homekeeping. Homekeeping. Um, on August 28th. Here's the thing. Now we're getting into live shows. That's, that's what we're doing now. Yeah. Uh, not our own yet, but we're doing other people's and then we're going to slowly build into, I don't know, world tour. <laughs> I'd like to go on a world tour. That'd be great. Madonna style. Oh, for sure. Cone bras. Cone bras. And like, I'd like a bus. That we sleep in. Yeah. That we drive around on the highways and at night. I don't want to do that. Can, can there be a pole in it? I mean, I, I don't want to die in a bus. What are you, a pole? Like a stripper pole. And like when we're having parties and like, that's what I think of Madonna and like cute gay men <laughs> on the stripper pole. Okay. Wait, in the bus? Yeah, but I don't want to go on the bus. Oh, okay. Either. Where do you want the pole? On the bus. <laughs> yes to the bus or no to the bus? Yes to the bus with the pole. <laughs> I'll meet you there. And then so the bus I'll will have be the fun and I'll tell you what happened mm-hmm. on the bus. Uh-huh. <laughs> if we go on the bus, I'm going to sit in the front seats with a seatbelt on. Hey, awake the whole time. I have the solution. You drive the bus. Boom. I'm fucking in. <laughs> so I will do that. I'm You're such a control a freak. Seat driver's license. Fine. Okay. Let's do this thing. <laughs> cool. Um, we are doing. So Dan Harmon has a famous podcast mm-hmm. here on Feral Audio called Harmon Town, and he does live uh, versions of this podcast. And we're doing the next one. And the podcast is live. Always. Yeah. Oh. Um, I'm a huge fan. Always have been. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were kidding. Yeah, of course I am. Yeah. Uh, it's always live? It's Sunday nights. It's live at Meltdown. Shit. That's where they record it. Yeah, right? we're definitely okay. editing this part out. Mark it. <laughs> uh, on, on Sunday. <laughs> Wait, do you really want to edit no. that? Okay, it's funny. I don't think he would care. I don't think he would care. Um, on Sunday, August 28th at 8 o'clock. Sure. At 8 o'clock, right? Sure. We're, I mean, yes. Now this part could be wrong. Um, we're doing Harmontown, the live, the always live podcast <laughs> at Meltdown Comics. Um, come down there if you want to watch uh, and be a part of things. I'm assuming City because that's where when the most of the main yeah. shows start. It's got to be. I bet eight to ten. Bet you anything. Eight to ten. Uh, I guess I'm I'm hedging it because it could be a seven to niner. But what percentage of these people are going to come? Because it's in L.A. Right. Do you think a percentage will? Point seven. Who's li- who are listening now? You yes. Mean? Oh, hard to say. Hard to tell. Well, I bet the well. There might be an eccentric millionaire who's like, "Warm up the jet. We're going to L.A. for this one." Yeah. Show. Get the cash. Full, the cash full of money. Yeah. Get the envelope full of cash. <laughs> Just an envelope, or do you want to bring a briefcase? I there? am so hot right now. I know it's really it's hot. so hot in here that my brain is malfunctioning. <laughs> it is eight o'clock. It's eight o'clock. Fucking God. Thank you. And it's live, right? Just kidding. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're doing that. We're really excited. That's going to be fun. We are quite honored. I mean, Dan Harmon's a bit of a legend. I mean, he's incredible. Watching Um, him on stage, if you haven't seen him fucking perform, he's just like, 
he's another he's just like transformed into this like the beast this beast anyways um it honestly sounds like they're watching stranger things really loud it, next door i think they, i was thinking that earlier because i thought i heard the awesome uh theme song, theme song. yeah Let's watch it. Let's listen through the walls to the whole episode. <laughs> the rest of this podcast. Yeah, so you can. Uh, uh, great. I think that's it for the homekeeping. Oh, um, teespring.com slash my favorite murder for your new shirt. We have the, the, um, our main logo on teespring.com right now till the 23rd of August, and then we'll have other shirts. But if you want one, go get it. And then more designs will are to come. Yeah, we're working on some shit, you guys. Some it's cool exciting. shit. Some fun stuff. Um, I, we're working on a thing that made me at, at uh, Vince's birthday the other night at a bar when Georgia and our friend Kat showed it to me, made me scream. Yeah. I was happy that you got so excited about it. I, it makes me very happy. Okay, cool. I'm excited. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye i think you're first this week am i first yeah all right settle in karen okay get ready to hear about something we've talked about, we've we've touched on before. Okay. But we never delved into. Okay. The Yosemite murders, <gasps> Carrie Stainer. 
as we know, and we've talked about Carrie Stainer, here's the, just like the beginning of the fucked up ness. Carrie Stainer was the big brother of uh, Stephen Stainer, who, if you'll remember, in 1972 was kidnapped and held captive by a child molester named Kenneth Parnell. Um, the Carrie was the older brother, and he was 11 years old. When it happened. Yeah, when it happened. And Stephen, the brother, was held captive more than seven years before escaping. That itself is a fucked up story that you guys should look up. So awful. And this was one of our earliest episodes. We were trying to remember the name of that the made-for-TV movie, which is called I Know My Name is Stephen. Yes. And... We we talked about it for way too long, and I, we're still getting people that are tweeting at us and sending us emails saying it was called "I Know My Name Is Steven." It's like that happened six months ago. Well, when you when we talked about that, that was the first time I found out that these two were brothers because I knew about Carrie's murders and I knew about Stephen's kidnapping, but I didn't know they were connected, and that just makes it it just it makes it boggles the mind you know in a way that's like more than just when you think of a serial killer and you're like how does your brain do that and we have this added piece of fucking childhood trauma in there also it makes me think this poor family oh my god totally is left standing it's just like how much can some people take those parents terrible yeah it's so much well so the year after uh, Stephen came home. He escaped his his kidnapper and freed the other kid and freed a little kid who had just gotten kidnapped by yeah. Kenneth Parnell, who, by the way, is out. Is that right? Of prison. He went for seven years, I believe, which is shorter than the amount of time he kept Stephen. No. For. Yep. The, wait, is he still alive? Yeah. As Be- far as I, I mean, I read an article that said he was and yeah. could have been old but I think so because I, I just read Kenneth Parnell's um, Wikipedia page for some weird reason some article brought me and then I went wait I feel like I know about this guy and then realized it was because of uh, Stephen Stainer I believe he lives in California like uh, not Northern California that's a bummer yep yeah right. seven years great anywho want to get more bummed out ready here we go okay the following, the year after, uh, Stephen came back, I'm gonna call him Carrie. Carrie's uncle was murdered, and Carrie was living with the uncle at the time. Um, but no one considered him a suspect, and Carrie would later claim that his uncle molested him. Oh no. Cut to 1997. Carrie was hired as a handyman at the Cedar Lodge Motel in El Porto, just outside of the Highway 140, Arc Rock entrance to Yosemite National, National Park. So just outside Yosemite, Cedar, Cedar Lodge. The weekend before February 1999, he was having these murderous fantasies that had become so intense that he knew he was going to murder someone. He prepared a murder rape kit containing a rope, a roll of duct tape, and a serrated kitchen knife, and later a gun and a camera. And as far as we know, other besides his uncle, which may or may not have happened, this is his first. These are his first murders. Okay. So on Valentine's Day, nineteen ninety nine, um, Carol Sund, who was forty two, her daughter Julie, who was fifteen, and uh, Silvina Peloso, who was sixteen, were his first victims. Carol was initially leery of Carrie when he knocked on their cabin door, saying he had to fix the fan in the bathroom. 
She talked him through the window and didn't want to let him in and only did so after he said he'd go get the manager to like confirm it. And she was like, no, 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 that's okay. You know, the way people yes. do, which is so when sad. they give you the double confirmation yeah. of like, oh, don't worry, yeah. I'll go do the thing you want me to do. Right. Well, if you say that, then. Well, if you say you're going to do the thing I want you to do, then you must be legit. Right. Then, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll do it. Mm-mm. So, but once inside, he pulls out a 22 caliber pistol. He tells them he's desperate, quote, and orders them to lie face down on the bed. He bounds their hands with duct tape, gags them, and then he took the two girls into the bathroom. He strangles Carol with a three-foot piece of rope, later saying in his taped confession, I didn't realize how hard it is to strangle a person. It's not easy. But I had very little feeling it was like performing a task. Yeah, keep that in mind. If it's really hard to strangle somebody, it's very hard. So don't, maybe don't do it. Yeah, it's harder than one thinks. So after putting her in the trunk of her rented Pontiac, he uh, goes back to the girls, cuts their clothes off, and then um, he strangles Sylviana in the bathroom, and then he sexually assaults Julie in the family motel in the motel room, and then wraps her up. and ties, he ties her to the bed. He says he felt like he was in control for the first time in his life. And he cleaned up the crime scene so well that it appeared that the women had checked out and left when the, when the, um, people came to check oh, no. the staff, <clears throat> when the staff came later to check to see if they were there. Um, they had detected no foul play. Let's see. He even wiped his hair off the bed sheets. And then when the FBI agent asked, on tape why he did that he replied i watched the discovery channel oh no hi that's all of us yep oh yeah everyone's getting real smart about forensics mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. good and bad yeah for sure so at 4 a.m he takes julie uh, out of the motel and drives her away in the rental car with her her mother and sis and friend in the back in the trunk so dead. she's still alive yes okay and I don't know, I don't think she knows that those two are dead and in the trunk because he kind of, there was two motel rooms that he was going between and I don't think she ever saw the oh, bodies. Okay. She just thought she was separated. Maybe. Yeah. So she says, he says, I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. I just kept driving and driving. And he said about Julie, she was a very likable girl. He said, crying on tape. She was very calm. So Don is approaching. He turns off at Lake Don Pedro. And carries Julie up a dirt path to a small clearing overlooking the water. I told her I wished I could keep her, he said. Blech. Then he sexually assaulted her again. Finally, he brushed her hair and fanned it out on the ground beneath her head. I told her I loved her, he said. And then he slit her throat. Oh, no. I didn't want her to suffer the way the other two did. A too late, asshole. I know. Like, I think because he he choked them... Manually, oh, yeah, yeah. he was thinking that it was taking longer, so he slit her throat, oh, thinking he was comparatively, yeah, like comp- thinking he was being compassionate. So he hides her body and he drives the car with the bodies in the trunk as far as he could into the forest. Then he takes a cab back to Yosemite, pays with the fare with the hundred fifty dollars he stole from um, Carol's purse. Two days later, he returns to the car with a can of gasoline and scratches, we have Sarah on the hood with a pocket knife. And then he lights the car on fire. Then he drove two hours west and dumped uh, Carol's billfold on a Modesto Street corner to fool the police. 
this is near where you're from, kind of. Kind of. It's the Central Valley. Um, okay. We're, we're more on the coast. Okay. So more than a month later, the remains of Carol, uh, Carol Sund and Peloso were found in the burned out rental car abandoned along a logging road. And six days later, the FBI received an anonymous letter with a crudely drawn map and a message. We had fun with this one. And following the map, the searchers found Julie. The detectives began interviewing employees of the Cedar Lodge Motel, where the first three victims had been staying just before their deaths. One of the employees was Carrie, but he was not considered a suspect at that point because he has no criminal history and remained calm during the police interview. Fucking psychopath, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, FBI agents and local police rounded up a bunch of meth heads and sex offenders and told the tourists and residents that they were confident they had the killers in custody. Oh. <laughs> That, da, 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 da. okay, so another woman disappears on July 22nd. This is Joey Ruth Armstrong, J-O-I-E, who is 26. She's a pretty redhead who worked for the Yosemite Institute teaching children about nature. Oh, sweet angel. She worked at the, let's see, da, 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 was alone in the isolated cabin where she lived when Carrie came upon her. Man, we can't have anything. We can't even live alone. Don't well, but living in a cabin alone in the woods. Yeah, but guys gotta do it. What? Guys gotta live alone in a cabin in the woods without getting murdered for the yeah. most part. Yeah, and they're guys. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I it's know. not fair. No, I know. I'm I'm more in I'm still in the mode of if you're going to live in a cabin in the woods, then pull your gun out anytime someone approaches your home. Yeah. Like oh. I don't know. Or, or big dogs, big angry, scary dogs. Krav Maga. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Don't be all chill. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live. I like living in a big city where there's just people everywhere. Yeah. On top of you all the time. <laughs> uh, so according to the interview, Carrie confronted Armstrong at gunpoint on the front porch of her cabin. Oh, he had a gun. Yeah. I wouldn't help. He told her it was a robbery and forced her into the cabin and covered her mouth and bound her hands behind her back with duct tape. Then he put her in his sports utility vehicle. SUV. I could have just That's said that. That's an SUV. Thank you. <laughs> Someone needed an extra word count in their newspaper <laughs> piece, right? Did you also draw a picture? <laughs> yeah. Page five is just one big Well, picture. I copied a couple of these sentences and that was one of them. And now I'm like, that guy just needed a higher word count. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. He said, I lost control of myself and I lost control of her. Um, let's see. He said, when this started out, I had no intention of cutting her head off, which he later did. Oh, Spoiler alert. Man. He says he has no intention of cutting her head off. I had no intentions of killing her, even the first time I saw her. Yeah, right. Then I started thinking about it. It was in the house. There was, it was, there was nobody in the house with her and she kept walking out by herself and she watered the plants and it was obvious she was taking off and getting ready to go. That's when I started talking to her. So the assistant U.S. attorney then okay in court papers it was said after he had driven a short distance she dove head first out of the wind through the window out of the moving truck and still bound with duct tape ran through the woods toward the nearby community of Forista to get help hell yeah girl good for you fight your fucking last fight yeah you know I don't know if that was the right saying while Carrie ultimately subdued Armstrong, she fought so crazy and with such passion that Stainer wasn't able to do his normal cleanup job, like obsessive cleanup job. He disposed of her 
beheaded body near in a nearby stream and the head turned up 27 feet away in a hurry he fleed and a close source he fled he fleed no he <laughs> fleed karen don't fucking correct me when let i say count. Re- let her count <laughs> he fleed sorry to correct you no you're right he fled <laughs> a, a close a source close to the investigation oh my god thank you for pointing that out no sorry. i did not catch that says it was a fight from start to finish she tried to get away and she almost did get away and those several minutes of struggle left behind a lot of evidence her determined fight for life denied him the chance to cover up the crime scene and it led to his capture and undoubtedly saved other lives yes honey she basically ended it yep by fighting she that hard she fucking fought so hard that he lost it and yeah. like so in his haste, he left behind footprints and basically his car was seen around the, the area. It was really distinctive. The tire tracks as were, uh, well as were as well. Um, and so the vehicle was traced to him and he was arrested. And during his interrogation, he confessed to all four murders. He pled not guilty by reason of insanity. And it, a doctor testified that he had mild autism, obsessive compulsive disorder, and paraphilia. At one point during the trial, the judge, Thomas C. Hastings, had to leave the courtroom so he could compose himself in private because the testimony was so fucked oh, up. No. He returned several minutes later, red-faced and misty-eyed. A judge. Oh. The circumstances of this case are horrendous and devastating, he said before announcing the sentence. Carrie was found sane and convicted of four counts of first-degree murder by a jury in 2001. He was sentenced to death and is still uh, in San Quentin. He claimed after his arrest, so everyone's like, did you did you get these murderous tendencies because of the stuff with your brother? Yeah. And all this like horrible stuff that happened as a kid. But he said after his arrest that he had fantasized about murdering women since he was seven years old long before the abduction of his brother Whoa. so what are the chances like those two traumatic fucked up things are going to happen in one family so awful okay and then I went on Facebook and found uh, a hometown murder from a reader so I'm going to read it okay so Taylor C says in June of 1999 I was 11 and my brother was 8 my family and I went on a road trip to Yosemite from LA and all caps stayed in the Cedar Lodge Motel (laughs) this is for everyone this is right between the murder of the three women and the murder of the single woman like months before like months in between oh man Around 9.30 at night, my brother and I were watching Batman and Robin, and we get a knock at the door. My mom looks through the peephole, sees some dude, and asks what he wants. He says, pizza delivery. We had already eaten, so we knew no no one had ordered a pizza. My mom tells him as much, and he insists that we did. My mom tells him that he must have been mistaken, but he keeps insisting. After a certain point, my mom walks away and assumes he did as well. Several minutes of knocking later, my mom calls the hotel management. He must have heard her on the phone because... When they showed when they showed up, he was gone. My mom filed a police report, but nothing really ever came of it. When I th- I think when they caught him, she be- she was briefly interviewed, but because she didn't get a good look at him, she wasn't useful in the case. To think, my brother and I could have died while watching Arnold laying down some truly excellent ice puns because <laughs> they were watching where'd it go? Batman, Batman and Robin. Ugh. Fucked up shit. Was was it? Did she say it was just her mom? It was her brother and her mom. Her and her brother and her mom. 
So, like, he spotted, like, moms with kids. Yeah. He, he must have targeted them. Man. But why would oh you man. do it again in the same... I mean, I guess you didn't get caught the first time. Yeah, you didn't get caught. And you're cocky. And he has, still has the fantasy. Like, he still has... It's the compulsion. That and then has. there's sometimes that thing of, like, maybe you wanted to get caught. Yes. Well, it, it surprised me when you said that he cried when he was talking about the first girl. Well, when the, when during the trial, when... A lot of the stuff is being dis- or when he was listening to his own testimony, he would he would plug up his ears and cry like he couldn't listen to it, even though when he was giving that information during the um, interrogation, he was like, like dead, you know, emotionally dead. Wow. So either that was just for the just for the show for the jury. Oh, that's true. Or, you know, maybe he was on anti psychotics or something at that point and understood or if he was like, yeah, if he was like, hadn't processed anything when yeah. he was confessing. Yeah. Wow. Or hadn't been meeting with therapists or something at that point and kind of. I mean, but to, to, but to have the, uh, urge to kill like that, I think does put you in like the, in the psychopathic area. I can't imagine. Like, just, it's like. And since he was seven, that's. Yeah. Heavy. That's, he must have had some fucked up things happen to him way early on and did they ever do you know if they ever connected him to the uncle's murder it, it, there's like not a lot of recent articles it's like they're looking into it stuff and trying to piece together like other murders in the area see if he's got any link to them but it doesn't really look like it wow plus if he confessed to all all of those like why wouldn't he confess to more of them but right who knows yeah that's a good one. Oh, and then did you know that the brother Stephen Stanner died when he was twenty four in a motorcycle, in a motorcycle accident. accident? Man, that's a rough life. Yeah, that's just—it's nothing but awfulness. Yeah, the rest of that family. Ugh! Didn't he die in the motorcycle accident like relatively soon after he came back? He died when he was twenty four. Oh, okay. So I think but he came back in his teens, right? Yeah, maybe okay. fifteen. Oh, okay. I yeah, think. Yeah. So, yeah, that's deep and dark. Well. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh, my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Maiden. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. I hope yours is happy and fun. Mine is so fun. (laughs) 
Um, no it pressure. actually kind of is. It's not as dark. I do love that. I mean, I do love the Stainer story, though. It's just the heaviest of anything. Well, I remember when I was... What year was that? I just remember it... Ha- 1999, so I was like... I was 19 or 20, like, living in Orange County, which isn't far from Yosemite, like, two, three hours. And I remember hearing both of those and they they got him pretty quickly after the the second the girl was beheaded mm-hmm. but it was just so and they have photos of her up and she's just this like hippie sweetheart and you know i i, I felt so bad for the the girl who was with the mom and sister yeah she and was her like family on vacation with her friend yeah yeah i felt uh, you know i'm sure there's like part of that family that blame there's like guilt and blame and so much so much shit besides just having someone that you love die that was the first thing that i thought of when i heard that story when it originally happened was that's the worst scenario yeah it's like being on vacation something happens to your kid when they're on vacation with their friend and they're in their teens and you're like kids you're trying to like be cool and let them go and like live their life and give them some freedom and you know against better judgment maybe letting them go camping yeah nope Bleh. All right, are you ready to transition? <laughs> Always. Because mine, I actually, this, I was watching this documentary this weekend uh, about this guy that I'm going to talk about, and it's very entertaining. Even though he is also a murderer, um, he is more a con man, which I actually kind of adore. You're like a mobster who won't kill women and children? Yes. And you're like, you know what? You know, when you can like pick and choose the bad, like this is the kind that I like where for the most part now he is a borderline personality. I think extreme narcissist there. They have all kinds of, um, you know, the psychiatrist talked about what he was in court, Mm -hmm. but he basically what it was is he was a guy who grew up in Germany as a very awkward teen in this documentary. They talk about, um, how he, when all their friends would go to like the, to the lake every summer, he would always go, but he would be fully dressed up and he would never, they never saw him in a bathing suit. Because this Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) That man's name was Mr. Adolf Marie Hitler. Um, Noah, this was, uh, well, he was born Christian Karl uh, Gerhard Schreiter, um, but he had many names in his long con career. He also went by the name Chris Chichester, Chris Crow, uh, Chip Smith, and finally Clark Rockefeller, heir to the Rockefeller. Oh, you know this guy, Clark What's the documentary called? It's called My Friend Rockefeller. Yeah, I never got through it, so tell me everything. It is... Here, it's worth getting to the part where Clark Rockefeller or Chris Chichester or Chip Smith or, uh, Chris Crow is my favorite because he, when he was Chris Crow, he claimed to be a relative of Cameron Crow. <laughs> he, he does all these lies that are just small enough. They're big enough to impress you, yeah. but small enough to be believable. Right. And it is masterful. And he's a really, legitimately IQ style intelligent person but he also doesn't really have any morals hmm. so most of the time everything's fine because he's just trying to get money and like work for himself 
and get what he wants. But fair enough. And doesn't he make like everyone happy around him too? Like everyone thinks he's so funny and for cool. a little while. Yeah, I think the limit's two years okay. that people are happy around this guy. Okay. Then he starts getting real irritating, and that's when he gets kicked out of houses, fired from jobs, what have you. But uh, so this is basically how it goes. He grows up as an awkward teen in Germany. He has a group of friends and in the documentary, the friends get interviewed. And what I loved is one of the friends goes, I love that he tricked all those rich Americans. <laughs> and that part made me go, oh, yeah, that's true. He really did get away with huge, huge lies for a really long time. Yeah. So here's basically how it went. Um, he also claimed to be, these are all the things he claimed to be, an actor, a producer, a director, an art collector, a physicist, a ship's captain, a negotiator of international debt agreements, and an English aristocrat. Gee whiz. He did it all. So, um, when he was 17, he met an American couple who had pulled off and asked him for directions <laughs> on the side of the road, and he... Met them, got their names, and then when he wanted to go to America, uh, when he was 17, he used their names on the, like, entrance documents to say that they had invited him there and that he was going to go live with them. Smart. This was a one-off meeting on, like, the side of the road. And those people are also in this documentary. Oh, yeah. It's pretty awesome. Um, so he comes to the United States and he goes to... Mer- uh, Meriden, Connecticut, and he finds the family of a backpacker he met once on a train in Germany. I can't even talk to the person sitting next to me on an airplane. I have a hard time talking to people I've known for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Much less asking people if you can go stay oh. at their parents' house. Oh my God. I asked Vince if I can like eat some of his chips because <laughs> I feel bad about it. I can't imagine me like, can I stay at your place we met once? And just a weird and uncomfortable. No. Um, Okay, so he explains to them that he is from a very wealthy German family and that he um, is in America like he's a foreign exchange student and can he stay with them because he's going to be going to the local high school. They're totally listening They're to, totally stranger listening things. to stranger things. Our neighbor, my neighbor's downstairs. What are the chances? That's insane. I'm sorry But also people you. can't hear it. No, that's okay. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Um... If only we could lay in those cues yeah. as like it would like a radio show. And really we were just in like in a in a fucking bunker and <laughs> where are we? In uh Germany. Germany. Um so sorry. No, it's okay. So um basically he starts going to high school in Connecticut. And basically, his whole thing is he wants to be American. He wants to blend in. He becomes obsessed with Gilligan's Island, <laughs> and he starts talking like Thurston Halbefeld. Oh, that's cool. And when he appears in this documentary, that's who he's talking like. And it wasn't until I was reading this article where they mentioned this specifically where I started laughing. Because they don't talk about it in the documentary? He does talk about it, but they talk about it like it's an inside. He goes, the... um the guy who uh, makes the documentary who was friends with him brings it up, but they don't like he, ba- the, um, Clark Rockefeller like kind of brushes it off. Okay. Like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But he totally sounds like him, but he's talking like, Oh my this. God, that's perfect. And he's basically saying like, it's oh the shit. funniest, but also it's that thing where I don't like to usually, I don't like to listen to killers, especially I never watch anything where the serial killer is talking. Hmm. I don't give a fuck what that guy has to say. Okay. He's evil. This guy's different though, because he's a con man first yeah. <clears throat> and foremost. Yeah. 
even though, yes, he's an, he's a bad person, killer, all of that, but he is a fascinating mind mm. because he was smart enough to like, at, in, as a teen, con all these people. So he yeah. goes, he goes to this high school. Um, he, uh, he decides that he wants to be an actor. So he heads west, but he makes it as far as Wisconsin and he decides he's going to go to the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. Um, so once he's there, um, he decides he needs to, he's been in, in the United States long enough where he needs a green card, basically, and he's become a citizen. So he decides he's going to marry a local 22 year old woman, um, at, who he explains to her that he, he needs the green card because if he gets sent back to Germany, he will have to fight in the Cold War on the Russian front. Mm. Now, if you knew anything about <laughs> anything, I mean, and I barely know anything about mm-hmm. anything, but when I read that, I was like, hey, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure the Cold War but didn't means, have a front. Right. Because the Cold War was all about tensions right. and basically threats. There's no such thing as... There was no Russian front no. in the Cold War. No. I mean, there were places to go. There were bad things happening, yeah. definitely. he, If the idea was that he was going to get sent back to like East Berlin and have yeah. to spy on his neighbors, yeah. yes. It's horrible. But there was no Russian or front. Or be a prisoner of war because of... Or not a prisoner or war of a accused of war crimes or yes, something like a pol- that. like a political person right. yeah but there was no the russian front was from world war Two. yeah that was a bad bad place to be sure anyway she fell for it uh-huh. and married him and the next day he left for california Bye. so i was like was she was she in agreement and fine with it. But yeah. then later I read that she filed for a divorce in 1992, 11 years later. What? Maybe so, she was like, needed him. Maybe she's like a lesbian and like, needed oh, to appease her family. Cover story? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I was, I immediately wrote the story of she was just heartbroken and like pining in Milwaukee. Oh. For this fabulous European that bailed on her the day after because it said um, their wedding so it sounded like it wasn't just the basics like City Hall signs and papers like they had a wedding wedding. oh no Um, that's sad a little crazy All right, so he or maybe she like is like me and is just bad about paperwork and doesn't get shit done in time. <laughs> so she's like, oh, that's right. I have to get divorced. Yeah, I'll do it when I meet someone else. Maybe I'll, that's do, what she was I'll do it when I have good reason that she's yeah. on Tinder swiping, yeah. swiping, swiping. Come on. So he heads out to California. Now, this is it's so fascinating. He goes to San Marino. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Huntington Gardens. Oh, you're from down here. You mm-hmm. know, San Marino is like so Pasadena is a rich area mm. that very few people I know live in because mm-hmm. it's like old money, rich, you know, yeah. you have to live out of the city. San Marino is richer than Pasadena. Yeah. It's the it's the city nestled up right next to Pasadena where all the mansions are. And it's basically. gorgeous. It's crazy. There's like all the streets are like wide and you're legally not allowed to park on the street. <sighs> so when people are parked on the street, the cops know that's someone that doesn't belong here. No. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. There's you don't see cars on those streets in San Marino because everyone can park in their own driveway. Fuck off. But also you legally can't. Fuck you. Yeah. Because they don't want their fucking housekeepers and shit parking there. Well, I I bet the housekeepers are a part of the family. Okay. (laughs) Who knows? 
But no, they definitely don't want any of the others. Right. Any other. Anyone from outside. Yeah. God forbid you're just like, you're just from like La Cañada and you're just trying to party and chew your gum and smoke your cigarettes and park on the street in San Marino. Don't do it in San Marino. Don't you do it. They don't want you there. So... This is a guy who's in his early 20s, like college age. He's moving to L.A. to be an actor and he moves to San Marino to oh. get. So it doesn't make sense. No. San Marino. I looked it up. It's it was rated more expensive than Beverly Hills and Malibu oh my God. to live in. So it just is nonsensical for yeah. like a young actor type to live there. Sure. But that's that's what he was about. He was like a total, he was Thurston Howell III, and he was trying to go become that person in like a very real way. Yeah. So he got, he rented the guest house that was um, in one of the least nice houses in all of San Marino. There was, there is actually a slightly shabby part, which is just basically not million dollar homes. Yeah. And um, in one of those houses, a woman named Didi Sohas um, had a guest house uh, on her property, Dee Dee reportedly was an alcoholic who was always dressed in a house coat, which uh, sounds like hey sister, high five. Yeah. Um, and Dee Dee had a son named John who was five foot five, super into Dungeons and Dragons, Coke bottle glasses, and was married to a woman named Linda who was six a six foot tall redhead. Um, they sound like fucking our type of people they are they are our type of people yeah they lived in um like the house adjacent so it was almost like this little compound Mm -hmm. and clark rockefeller um at the time his name was um let's see his name here was christopher chichester okay which is the dumbest made-up name of all time that sounds like when i said what was it nancy saint nancy Nancy St. Stacy. That's that wasn't as bad as Chichester. That's not as bad as Chris Chichester. Yeah. Just it's like th- you stuttered three times. Yeah, throw more C's in there, you <laughs> dork. So okay. So he shows up in San Marino. He get he's 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 charming everybody. And what he tells them is that not only is he a computer expert, a, a film producer and a stockbroker, mm-hmm. he is also the nephew of Lord Mountbatten. So what I kind of do like about this all is all the people that get tricked by this guy are people who are label whores and status Mm, whores. mm -hmm. So anyone that's like impressed by impressed by someone talking like Thurston Hell the third and saying I'm I'm related to Lord Lord Mountbatten. Yeah. Where like in my family, if you said that, it'd be like, well, go do the dishes. (laughs) It'd be like, really, Lord Mountbatten? Yeah. Can you go get some more beer out of the downstairs refrigerator? Right. Um, but it's the, it's a lot of people. And especially that's why he w- was going to places like San Marino. You go to places where people work in those worlds. And those are the people that are most impressed by, you know, you're all rich. Well, I'm a blue blood. Well, yeah. I'm a royal. I'm actually royalty. Yeah. There's someone that can come in and beat them at their own game. What's more interesting than that? So, uh, the local said he was a whiz at everything. He uh, proved especially popular with the women who were very charmed by his royal bloodline and his courtly manners. One of the women said he knew everything about everything and he was just fabulous. Okay. So it's not just a, an act. He's really getting away with it. Yeah. And he was very, very smart. He sounds like it. So, um, so in 1985, 
tragedy strikes. This is two years after Chris moves into um, the so Hus- the so Huss's, you know, house. Dee Dee's son Jonathan and his wife Linda go missing without a trace. Um, Chris tells everybody that they told him that they were going to go to Europe. Um, the family got a postcard from France, uh, supposedly from the couple after the disappearance, but its authenticity has been questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so soon after they disappear, Dee Dee Sohas disinherited her son, who was beloved to her up until that point. Um, the police think that she was convinced that he had abandoned her. Oh, no. And after, when Dee Dee died, they found that $180,000 of her estate had been looted. Her entire estate, sorry. Her entire estate was worth $180,000 and all of it had been taken. Oh, that's so sad. So. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Um, in the late, I just say that like it's, I mean something by it. I know, Dungeons I do too. and Dragons. Yeah. But we know what we mean. In the late 80s, police pull Christopher Chichester over in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. He's driving Jonathan Sohus's truck. Uh-oh. Um, the police, he leaves the area before police can interview him. I don't know what that means if he's like, oh, well, thanks, everybody. It was, thanks for pulling me over. Great to see you. Yeah. And just drives away. I'm not sure. Or if they meant I come to the, come. the neighborhood. Sounds like the neighborhood, right? It's just weird because yeah. if you've got him there and he's driving, so maybe they just had the information that yeah. it was that truck and they didn't put it together till later. Yeah. But I looked it up. Greenwich, um, in the year 2000, Greenwich was the third wealthiest town in Connecticut. So he's just going East Coast. Yeah. Now he's going to do this on the East Coast. Big money. Yeah. So he rents a post office box in Greenwich under the name Christopher C. Crow. CCC. He loves those C's. He does. He literally walked into the Indian Harbor Yacht Club like he owned the place. Oh my God. So there, this is a rich town that has a yacht club and he rolled up on in. Here's how he was described. He looked like he walked out of a magazine. He always had his Burberry winter coat, Burberry umbrella, very fine cotton button down white shirts with CCC monogrammed on the pockets for Christopher Chichester Crow. Always pristine, always perfect. Uh, sounds like what you wear whenever you go out. Yep. I ha- I do have my button down KLK <laughs> shirt on. Bye. Now. I'm so hot. <laughs> um, someone else said he's talking to you as if he's smarter, wealthier, more connected, more everything than you, no matter who you are. Fuck so, you. So he's, <laughs> he's just playing the rich game yeah. and beating them at the rich game. Yeah. Because I think Thurston Howell the third was the richest man on the planet. So yeah. if that's who he is, he is right. Yeah. Um, so he sleeps with a woman. He so that basically his inn in in Greenwich was this yacht club. Okay. He's he starts sleeping with a woman who ends up getting him this really high level job um in town at a broker dealer firm. I don't know what that is. I don't either. I cut my eyes were skipping over the part where it got into like finance. Business, but basically yeah. a huge finance job. Okay. Um you have to take two tests to do this job, one called the Series 7 and one calls the uh, 
series 63 there's seven it's seven hours of questions holy shit and he passed it what the shit so he's not he's a very 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 intelligent person so now you know the brain that's being applied to conning people fair a memorizer an absorber of personalities and information and the kind of person that will tell you the perfect lie yeah he's lord mountbatten's nephew he's not anybody's son he's there's nothing direct um so all right so he's he stays at this job for two years oh my god but he's super um people don't at first it's interesting that they have this royalty working there after two years they're sick of hearing him talk and he did the ultimate uh wrong move which was the boss the guy that hired him who was the president of the company wanted to access his own computer and Chris wouldn't tell him how to do it because he thought if I'm the only one that knows how to do it and you don't know, oh. I, I will never get fired. Instead, the guy in charge was like, get the fuck out of yeah. here and somebody else is going to teach me how to get into my computer. Weird. Well, from there, he gets a better job. Oh my God. So he gets fired from that job and then he gets hired at a place called Nico. I don't, it, it's another one of these like Wall Street jobs. Yeah, Karen, this is not our universe. It, I'm not interested in it. I don't like it. Nope. I don't care. Yeah. But essentially, he does great there too for a couple years. But he, a couple people were on to him. This is all in the, in the documentary because he would ask, he'd ask a question like, um, do you, have you ever sold one of these? And the guy that he asked the question to is in the documentary who's like, that'd be like asking a dentist, do you know what a bicuspid is? Like, it's mm. one of the basics. So that guy was like, I was pretty sure something was going on. Yeah. Um, and then of course, by the end, everyone's just, he's bragging and he's, you know, an asshole to everybody. Um, so he gets fired from there. Uh, then, um, he goes to another company, a bigger company. So he gets a better job. Each firing, he just is, is failing upwards. Um, but this is the job where they finally, uh, do a background check. Oh, no, sorry. Two years after he got dismissed from the first place, they finally look him up. Yeah. They, they run his social security number. And the social security number that he gave was David Berkowitz's, the son of Sam. Shut the fuck up. Uh-huh. That is the coolest part. It's amazing. So it's kind of like saying, if you check my shit, yeah. go fuck yourself. But oh, no one ever did until after he left. Yeah. Okay. So in holy the, shit, that's cool. It's crazy. So in this third, the third job, um, someone at the third job finally looks into his background while he still works there mm-hmm. and finds out that he is a person of interest in a missing persons mm-hmm. case in California. Oh, how did that guy feel when he saw that? I mean. Probably nervous, but stoked. Yeah. Excited. And then hungry because it was right before lunch. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so the Greenwich police and the Connecticut state police show up at this job. But that day, Christopher Chichester. No, sorry. Christopher Crow. Now mm-hmm. Christopher Crow didn't show up for work that day because he was on to them. Mm-hmm. He knew, mm-hmm. but he called in to say he needed time off because his parents had been kid- kidnapped what? in either Pakistan or Japan. Oh, come on. Just say you don't feel well. Well, and also that's where your lies are getting a bit big. Yeah. Like pick one. Yeah. It's Pakistan. Yeah. But or you have a hangover. Yeah. Or you're, yeah, you, you broke one of your teeth and you're out for a couple your days. Bicuspid. Your bicuspid. How about your bicuspid? <laughs> um, so he disappears from Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, 
And he reappears in New York City in 1992. And where does he go? Where did John List go when he had to start all over in a new town? The church. 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 You show say it with me, church. Church. You show up at church. Wow. With your song and dance. Yeah. And you have a built-in community of people who are going to trust you. Totally. Keep your eyes peeled, churchies. <laughs> so he rolls up. This is now when Keep he is because peeled, <laughs> <laughs> I say that as if that's something that's important. Um this is now when he's become Clark Rockefeller. So he's in New York City and he's introducing himself as a Rockefeller. That seems like something you'd want to introduce yourself anywhere but in New York City. Well, but here's the thing. He knows the difference. So he specifies to these people at this church that he is from the Percy Rockefeller side, not John D. John mm. D is the one that he's crazy rich. Percy still is super rich, but not John D level. Okay. So he, he always goes right under. Yeah. You know, he goes in with the claim like that's right believable it enough yeah we're, we're still talking millions of dollars yeah. crazy old american blue blood money it still would impress people like my mom oh he's a rockefeller you know oh, my grandmother used to say like she'd go pick that penny up off the floor we're not the rockefeller totally that was like a total grandma saying yeah she also said a lot of racist stuff <laughs> That I won't repeat. So don't listen to her. Um, she was a good person at heart. It was just, it was the times. Make America great again. All right. Uh, he claimed to have gone to Yale, like when he was 14. Mm-hmm. He had a Yale scarf with the blue stripes. He said he had one of the J boats from his grandparents, which was a classic 30s sailing yacht. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, don't we all? Um, so basically what he learned is that if you joined private clubs in a big city um and and they're all like clubs no one's ever even heard of mm-hmm. the Lo- the lodos and stuff like that where i'm like oh yeah i'm clearly as working class as you can get we'll never be no no nowhere close we'll never be asked to no, they're not going to ask us. No. I don't think so. But this is where the Vanderbilts and the Whitney's and the Roosevelt's and the Rockefellers, they've all been socializing since the 1800s. So he learns the kind of language of private clubs and those people. And then all of his lies become believable because mm-hmm. he's speaking their language right. and saying the stupid shit that they all say to each other over cucumber sandwiches. What do they say? I wonder. What, it's all whispering about cash. Yeah. Right? Transactions, lots it's, of trans words. Yeah, what transactions? Bonds, bonds, war bonds, war bonds. <laughs> there, polio, polo, polio, polo. They <laughs> <laughs> meant polio. They meant the polio. Disease. You meant the disease. Yeah, because Roosevelt had yeah, that. Yeah, you got to talk about it, right? <laughs> um, Where am I? So. So, oh, sorry, I lost my place, and I'm hallucinating from the heat. I'm so sorry. It's no, so it's in here. There's nothing you can do. So, oh, I was on the totally wrong page. I tried to do that scrolling thing that I do. All right, so, <laughs> okay, so he married in 1995. He marries a woman that he met through St. Thomas Church, this church that he went to. And she was a Harvard MBA who rose to be one of the youngest partners in history at McKinsey. I don't know what that is. Mm-mm. Law firm? Mm, probably. She had a $2 million salary. She oh. was like a legendary businesswoman. Fuck, man. He meets her at church. Um, 
they hit it off and they get married. He has a way with the ladies. Yeah. Um, he explains to her that none of his family is going to be at the wedding because there had been an argument and uh, he had disinvited all of them. Wow. So he has no family there. Red flag. But he marries into her family. And they have a child named Ray, which I actually like that name for a girl. Ray. Ray. R-E-I-G-H. Oh. Um, that's cute. He nicknamed her Snooks. Snooks. Um, which may have been something Thurston How the Third called his wife. Snooks, yeah. Uh, he'd insisted on raising her and educating her himself. Oh. Uh, I would love to meet and talk to her. Oh my God, she's the coolest. Um, so anyway, they ultimately get divorced and she, the wife, has to pay him $800,000 in alimony. And he won the the white the but she, she sorry she won the right to raise Ray to in London. Mm-hmm. So in two thousand eight, a court supervised visit in Boston, Rockefeller kidnaps Ray. Oh no! So she's seven years old. Um, there he's meeting up with Ray and the um court appointed like social worker basically, mm-hmm. and he runs up, pushes that woman over, grabs the little girl, and jumps into a car and oh, drives no. away. Um, the the social worker actually ran after and grabbed onto the back bumper of the car for like a little bit, trying to do something oh, about it. Oh my god! Um. But don't worry, he was, he lived for this little girl. He just wanted her in his life. He wasn't going to harm yeah, her in any way. I know that. Everyone in this documentary says it. Okay. Like they would never, he worshiped her okay. and it, and he, he, she was everything to Snucks. him. And they, and he got caught two weeks later. Okay. So the, but there was, an, he, he had set up a new identity, um, in Baltimore, that's where he was going to become Chip Smith, a professional yacht captain and catamaran designer. But <laughs> he got caught immediately. He was, um, in 2009, he was convicted and sentenced to four to five years for abducting his daughter and two to three years for the assault on the social worker mm-hmm. who did get in, uh, injured by that SUV that he had waiting. But... Um, We'll circle back around now because in 1994, um, the new owners of the So Huss's house in San Marino mm-hmm. were digging to build a new pool. Uh oh. And they found two bodies. Oh no. Deep, deep underneath the ground in the backyard at the So Huss's house. And um, it was. The family members said the bones matched Jonathan Sohus's general description, but he was adopted. So they, they, they oh. couldn't do a family DNA match. Um, oh, so she adopts this kid and he's this like great nerd. Mm-hmm. And she loves him so much, but she's kind of a boozer. And then he takes, but off. then he finds love yeah. in a six foot redhead and they're kind of this mismatched couple that are making it happen and then she thinks he just leaves her yes oh that's the saddest thing i've ever heard the the so the forensic evidence showed that the victim who's 
Jonathan, had been struck in the head two times with a rounded blunt object, then stabbed six times. Holy shit. His body had been cut into three parts, and the body parts had been put into book bags from the University of Wisconsin. Fuck. And from USC, where um, Chris Chichenko. Clark all these people he had actually sat in on film classes never registered as a student but he used to go to usc Whoa. and go to classes he just wasn't actually a student wow there. and so um that circumstantial evidence combined with the fact that he was arrested driving jonathan's truck yeah. in greenwich uh basically convicted him of murder um sorry they there was only one body buried in the backyard oh. they never found linda linda um where do you think she is? Well, the police suspect that Clark had an affair with Linda. Oh, no. Because basically he, Clark thought he was in with Dee Dee and thought that he was going to get her money and yeah. get the house and be in San Marino and like have his life. Yeah. And then Jonathan and Linda were basically what were standing in the way of that. Yeah. And I think, and he thought, you know, I'll get, this is just this crazy old drunk lady. Yeah. I'm going to get her to sign everything over to me. And then I'm going to have the, the yeah. life I want. And then Linda and Jonathan are just like, you need to move out of here. Yeah. And basically that's where it started. So he, the theory is that he tried to break them up as a couple. Mm -hmm. And then he murdered Jonathan. So Linda might be out in the world. They think she's dead. Yeah, she's dead. Yeah. They just think that he brought the body somewhere else. That's so sad. I believe. Yeah. Um, he was charged with Jonathan's murder, uh, and he, and the trial was in April of 2013, and he was convicted of first degree murder, uh, and he's now in some weird jail in Bla Ironwood Jail in Blythe, California. Wow. Can I see a photo of him? Yeah. I want to see him like a mugshot. That's it's so funny because when they talk about like that he's good looking and stuff or that he had a way with the ladies. Nope. Well, let's see. Is he hot? I mean, to each his own. Oh my God. He's like a nerd. He's well. And also when you see him talking, it's even worse. He's got no mouth. Because he kind of talks like this. It's like somebody in a bad Ugh. like mustard commercial where you're like, what? Why would you talk like that? He looks like he is a character in The Simpsons. Yeah. Like, he's, oh no, where's his mouth? He's just kind of, um, you know, I'm sure he was insecure as a teen. Sure. And all of that, plus being really smart, you know? Yeah. Just made up for I it. don't see him being a ladies' man, but good for him. It's all in the brains, brains, brains. Brains, brains, brains. Brains. Well, that's fucking sad. Yeah. But it's playful. <laughs> it's not as dark but it then it kind of is actually yeah. he like went and had you know the crazy rich man's life and it actually worked for a little while but let's take a cue from him and start living our lives okay. not lies no more lies no more lies no more drama um let's be as confident as him okay and as nerdy as the guy he killed <laughs> and i don't know and as rich as someone who lives in San Marino. That's that I like. I would love to live in San Marino. Would you? Well, yeah. That's like a nice house. I mean, I you'd need to be ma constantly making money so you could just pay those property taxes. Oh, sounds so exhausting. I have to work at like a hedge fund thing. Yeah. Then know. you have to be the kind of person that's like, 
I I need the better I need the Louis Vuitton version of this. It's not worth it. You have to spend all that stupid money and make people think you're rich to make money and get rich. It's dumb. I'm good. Yes. I'm, no, I'm fine. I'm lazy. I'm not interested in most of that stuff. Anyway, I just yeah. I just want the the relief of not having debt. Yeah. But being rich, I don't think really adds up to what I don't think it fills the hole that people are so convinced yeah. it it's going to give. I want enough money that I don't have to wonder where the, my next money is coming from. Yeah. And you know, maybe in 5 years, but not really. Yeah. But how much is that? I don't know. Well, and also, you know, I heard from the great Jerry Seinfeld himself who mm-hmm. said that he heard money that there was some study that mm-hmm. they did Money doesn't make you happy. Money never makes people happy. It's human connection that makes people happy, which I found very powerful coming from the richest man on the face of the earth, where obviously I was like, yeah, this must be, you must have had some stake in this because what you're saying to me right now is that that your money doesn't make you that happy. So you're looking, trying to find out what does and it's human connection. Yeah. Um, I also heard that like there's uh, you, if People are happy until at a certain amount of money, and then anything over that, that it decreases. Your happiness decreases. How many lottery winners go buck wild, bananas crazy? Totally, and I just want kind one, of never come back. One point five million is all I need. Is that all you need? Yeah, it's not a lot. It's really not today's standards. No, it really, it's you couldn't buy a house for that in enough. Los Angeles. It's not enough. No, you can't live here with that much. <laughs> no. Okay, I want more than that then. Kick it up. Let's Damn kick it up it. to the six, seven area. Well, when that rich person gets a jet and, and comes to our show, it comes see us in Harmontown. <laughs> they can tell us. His money full of envelope. I was, well. I was hoping it would be John Travolta flying in from Florida. Is that's, that's Florida? what I pictured in my mind. That's where he has his house with the airplane hangar right outside. Damn. You've seen it. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else? Um, I have a hometown murder, but it's kind of depressing too. So I don't know if maybe it'll be just like not worth it. You did, didn't you do a hometown murder at the end of yours? I show? did. Yeah, forgot it. Yeah, and it and it perfectly laid right in. It did, didn't it? Where did Elvis? Elvis came out right as you were ending because he, he knows was like, cute. We should thank Stephen. Yeah, thank you, Stephen, our beautiful engineer who gave us um, microphone yeah. stands. They're beautiful. Thank you. They really are gorgeous. Stephen, you've been killing it. We appreciate thank you for it. all your help. Elvis is sitting there waiting. Elvis, it's your big chance. Oh, okay. Wait, can, can we it. can we try and do this? Okay. Do we do it before or after we say? Elvis, you want a cookie? <laughs> you want a cookie? <laughs> Okay. He wants your microphone. <laughs> we usually do it after because stay sexy. <laughs> Don't get murdered. Elvis cookie. <laughs>